0: Hey guys, Anna here. So um, before we kind of dive into this episode, I just want to make a quick note. Um, So I recorded segments two and three before I recorded segments one, the first segment. I recorded the first segment several times over. And to be honest, it just never turned out very well. Um, There was a lot of problems with each take and so yeah we're actually going to be completely skipping over segment one in this episode um there will be no news um and so we are literally just going to dive straight into segment two of this episode and to basically kind of pretend segment one didn't happen um just because like it just never worked out so yeah anyway so um just wanted to make that very clear um because you know you're Segment two ends up, it starts off with me saying, you know, like, all right, we're back or something like that, you know. Because, you know, I assumed that there was going to be a segment one of this episode, but it just didn't work out that way. So anyway, just wanted to make that quick note so you can understand what's going on. Anyway, enjoy the show. Alrighty, so we are back. And so, yes, we're finally going to talk about what I promised in the last episode that we talk about in this episode. And that is things that help me, personally, kind of keep my eye on God and heaven, you know, off of earthly things, okay? I'm going to be honest, I don't know about you, but I struggle so hard to, you know, keep my eye on God and, you know, the spiritual realities, like, I, like, Like 99% of the time, I have my eyes here on earth and, you know, earthly struggles, earthly problems, you know, just all these earthly things. I absolutely suck and just fail in every way on keeping my eyes on God. It's just not something I do well, like even remotely, like 99% of the time, I absolutely fail. That said, there are a few things that every now and then can remind me um to keep my eyes on God, and I am actually making try, trying to make an active effort to use more um to keep my eyes on God in heaven spiritual things instead of you know these earthly fleshly things you know I, I don't know if I make it any sense. <laughs> And over time, I'm going to think of more, you know, and it's kind of my ongoing goal, you know, try to think of more things, you know, to help keep my eyes on God instead of, you know, earth. But here are two things that I have kind of thought of so far. And so the first one would be family. (sighs) Gosh, it's. Been rough, family-wise. You know, um, growing up, my parents were pretty abusive. You know, I definitely grew up in a very abusive household. You know, mo- my mom was very, very emotionally negligent. You know, you could say, like, she did, she, she was very negligent um, emotionally um, for me. And my dad kind of Like it's not really necessarily, I don't know, maybe that's the word, but I don't know. I feel like there's a better word for that. Then there's my dad who swing wildly between not paying any attention, you know, not caring about uh, me or my sisters. And then the other extreme is overly controlling, like abusively controlling. And you just never knew who you were going to get. And so the household was just always very unstable um, everybody was always on her toes. I remember there was one time when they got so damn strict that me and my sisters were literally, you know, sis, oh, I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. psych heilin is it? You know, like the, you know, the Nazi salute thing behind his back, you know, whenever he would give one of his little proclamations, you know. And then, you know, whenever, if he would ever order something of us, we would just start goose-stepping. Because, like, he got so damn overbearing and overly controlling at one point. Like, I want to make it clear. Like, this is not just, like, you know, like, kids, you know, just not like you are a person. No, like, no, 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 no. This (laughs) was genuinely over-the-top, abusively controlling time that, that we went through. And, like, we just, like... We hit our breaking point at around that time, and we were literally just like we were calling him, you know. Just I think we were calling like one point we started we we started calling him Dadler, you know, a mix between Dad and Hitler, just because like he was just so overly controlling um, of our lives and everything that we did, you know. So you know that that's kind of where we come from, you know. And this is really scratching the surface you know me and my sisters were, were forever scarred for that you know not, not not so much my middle sister but don't get it wrong she definitely she, she definitely kind of got it bad but she, she was definitely you know the favorite of the, my parents like I want to make that clear like even as when we were little kids like all of us knew that my middle sister was the favorite like my parents never tried to hide it I mean, now we said that, oh, no, no, we don't have favorites. We love all of you. Just say, like, no. Even as toddlers, all three of us knew that the middle one was the favorite. Like, we all knew that. And it's been true our entire lies. Everybody knows it. She knows it, you know? The youngest knows it. I, like, we all know it. She is the favorite. So she didn't get quite as bad as me or the youngest. But, yeah, like, oh, gosh. It, it it angers me to say to see what i have done to my youngest. Like, I feel like the, the consensus kind of I kind of got it the worst, but the youngest got it almost as bad. Like, uh, yeah, we we are scarred for life. Um, you know, and that's where we come from. You know, and so like I have had problem with family. You know, I even when it comes to relations with sisters. You know, we ha- all three of us absolutely just despite- hated each other's guts growing up you know, because my parents created such an ex- an atmosphere of distrust that we, you know, couldn't trust each other, you know, it wasn't until we got older and we realized that this was something that we're, you know, kind of doing to keep us divided, you know, and we started trying to learn to get along a bit more, but, you know, unfortunately, you know my two younger sisters, you know, they, they did grow way to create a genuine bond between each other, but I never really could with them, you know? So, like, I don't have a bond with them. You know? Like, and honestly, unfortunately, as I have really been learning, it's kind of too late. You know, middle sister is off at of college. She's got a boyfriend who she's going to be marrying. Um, you know, like, especially once you get into the romantic relationships and find, you know, the person you're going to marry, like... The the time of growing with your family is, like, it's basically over. Like, my chance to really grow with her or just grow a bond with her is dead. It's gone. I've already had to accept that. Then there's my youngest, you know, who's learning, who's kind of getting out in the world for the first time. You know, she's trying to, she's creating bonds with friends and really focusing on with them. So that's kind of done, you know. Um, then there's my extended family, there's my mom's side of the family. Super transphobic, you know. I will forever live with the memory in my head of, you know, my grandpa watching Tucker Carlson tonight. Yes, he's a Fox News watching Republican, supporter of Trump, you know, and every, basically every vile Republican policy you can think of. You know, and, like, like this is a guy who, like, videotapes, like, pretty much, you know, um, DVRs pretty much every primetime Fox show and has done ever, like, you know, ever. Like, he was a day one watcher of Fox News, like, okay, I want to make that clear. Like, he was watching Bill O'Reilly from day one, um, you know, and I'll never forget that, you know, they were talking about trans people and just hearing the slurs come out of my grandpa's mouth about trans people, you know. And why I never heard anybody else say anything like that in the family, they very Christian conservatives. Like, I had to cut them out of my life. Like, I know that my mom told me that for accepting and all that stuff, it's just like, no, like, I heard you say these things, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I want to kind of create a relationship with them, but it's just like, at the same time, it's just like, you hurt me too badly. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it, that time of it watching you sit there watch Tucker Carlson and hear all those slurs come out of your mouth, I yeah, I don't feel safe. Then there's my dad's. I did family, you know, for accepting. for cool with it. You know, I have not actually seen any of them. Um, you know, like, they have never seen, they have not seen me as Anna. You know, the last time they saw me was... Pretty early in transition Like I was maybe like four months in or something You know Four or five months in You know transition I was still very much in guy mode You know slight so And seeing me as my true self You know and I'm fucking terrified Of <laughs> presenting myself to them Um So yeah you know but the thing is I don't have a lot of family You know and, and people always talk about You know I'm trying to think how to put this Like you can choose your family You know like family isn't who you're born to But you know like who you choose Like I understand the sentiment And I have seen that happen To other people like I have heard so many stories you know Of people like you know like I came from a terrible family, yada, 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 and then you guys became my family. Like, and I've heard that, and I have made an effort, you know, there were people, you know, who, like, that I made an effort to, you know, kind of, in you know, to, you know, really get close to, you know, so that could be my family, and it just never worked out. So, while like, I fully recognize how great it is for others, you know, I just kind of came to realize but I guess this choosing family thing just, it just doesn't work for me, you know. And so for me, family is something that really helps me keep an eye on God. Because it's not great here on Earth, you know. While I have a decent, really good, pretty good relationship with my parents now, I will still always have to kind of keep them a bit at an arm's distance. Because... They're still controlling, you know, they're still abusive. Like, once again, like, we, like, there's a relationship now, but, like, they haven't, you know, they haven't done anything to deal with her abusive tendencies. I still got to keep them at an arm's distance, you know. Like, you know, like, yeah. Like, I can't, you know, like, I can't go to them with everything, you know. We're not people, you know, like, yeah, I don't really have anybody that I can really go to for much, so that's why I usually use my blog. But, you know, but yeah, you know, I'm saying, you know, and so for me, it's just a reminder, you know, of that in heaven, you know, we're finally going to be, you know, everything is in heaven, everything's restored. Like, not even restored everything's like undone like all the bad is undone like I realize it kind of makes no sense but like I don't know I am not a like I am not really the person to kind of try to explain that you know I am a horrible person to ask to try to explain these deeper theological things like I am not a theological wonk you know like If you want to ask me about, like, if if you're asking me to really get into the nitty gritty details of theology, like, I I am the wrong person to ask about any of that stuff, you know, (laughs) like, I am not that, I am not that person to be asking, you know, to really dig deep into this kind of stuff, you know, like, I understand the theology of, you know, but. Like I, like, I think where I first heard it was actually from C.S. Lewis, if I remember correctly. Maybe it's Timothy Keller. I, I don't remember. But, you know, like, the theology makes sense of, like, how, like, it's all, like, your hurts and the sin is, like, undone. But, like, I could not explain it to you. Maybe someday, you know, if I can figure out how to explain it. If I'm sounding like a confusing idiot, um, I will come back and um, revisit this someday. I'm just being honest. If you were to stop me on the street, ask me to explain it, I couldn't. I just sit there staring at you, mouth gaping open, you know, going,
1: uh uh uh, You know, like an idiot,
0: like the idiot I am, you know. But it's like there we're you know we're going to be a family, you know, it's the entire spiritual family, you know, nothing. But pure, true love. You know, everything I don't have, probably never will have here on this earth. You know? Yes, I want to make it clear. It hurts me. You know, like while I am definitely very lucky to have a family who is supportive of me, you know, like, you know, after about, like, six years, my family, my parents finally learned to accept me, you know. I mean, they only sent me to, like, two years of conversion therapy first, you know, and I only had to run away and be homeless, you know, for them to finally accept me. But they actually accept me now, you know. I only had to go through hell to get it, <laughs> But it's just like at the same time, you know. Like once again, these those abuse tendencies. I can't let them too close, you know. I'm never going. Like I, like I don't see here on Earth, you know. Like I don't even get to be a part of the spiritual family here on Earth, you know. Like I don't have a church I can go to. We have, you know, like we have. I think two affirming churches in the city. And both of them, you know, I've tried, and I just didn't mesh with, you know, like I don't get a family here, but in heaven I do. And I, you know, I'm gonna be honest, like it's just something that really helps me long, even more for heaven, makes me kind of kiss me. And I, whenever I really think about it, kind of sets me, holds sets me back on the correct path. I don't know if I'm making any sense or not I really don't You know what, fuck it Who cares I don't think I make much sense any t- um, You know, on pretty much anything, anytime And yet, apparently Some people still read my blog Tell me if I am an amazing writer And people still listen to my podcast You know what I mean People watch my YouTube videos Like, apparently I must make some sense Even though I don't think I do <sighs> Whatever <laughs> I mean, the point of all of this really to help me figure out rhetoric, but, you know, not to let out my thoughts and feelings, but that's besides the point. The other thing that really that kind of helps me in many ways keep my eyes on God, you know, instead of things on this earth, is my body. You know, I've had gender dysphoria, you know, as long as I can remember. Like I'm thinking back to my earliest memories, and like I always knew that I was a girl. Like it just—I mean, I always knew. You know, I—I remember, you know, as just like a small little kid, absolutely despising haircuts. You know, just because like I wanted to grow my hair out, and I genuinely did not understand why I had to keep my hair short. You know, I loved, you know, I loved playing my sister's Barbies, you know, as opposed to my G.I. Joe's. And even when my parents finally forced me to play G.I. Joe's, because, you know, wasn't becoming of a boy to play with Barbies. You know, (laughs) I pretty much played, like, house with them, you know, like. I remember, you know, I I don't want to get too fucking graphic, but, you know, so. Skip ahead, you know, 15 to 30 seconds, depending on whatever your player settings are, you know. Full warning, you know, if you don't want to hear something kind of graphic, you know. Because I want to make it clear, this is kind of, this maybe a little too much for some people. Because uh, I know some people can get squeamish over, you know, mentions, body parts, stuff like that. But anyway, you know, um, I remember as a toddler, literally almost cutting off my own penis, like, I'm not even joking, like, I remember grabbing scissors from the kitchen with the full intention of cutting off my penis, just because of how dysphoric it made me feel, then, you know, I was like, I don't want to bleed to death, you know, so, like, I, like, may I just, you know, try to squeeze it inside of my body, you know, and, you know, and I was like, oh, shit, how am I gonna pee, then mm. like, those were literally my thoughts, like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> You know, and I didn't even know that, you know, girls had anything different. You know, I didn't know about vaginas or anything. Like, I thought everybody had a penis. <laughs> you know, when you're like a fucking toddler, you think everybody has the same genitals as you, you know. Um, you know, I just knew that my penis was bringing me into much distress. And I just had to be gone. It had to go away, you know. These are memories I've had, like, I remember from my earliest days. I've always had this dysphoric body, you know? I lived for, like, you know, what, six, six and a half years? I didn't even remember this point, you know? I don't remember the exact timeline for any of this stuff anymore. Um, You know, like, just suicidal dysphoria, you know? And now I am transitioning. But it's never going to be an assigned female birth body, you know? I can never give birth with this body. You know, like... It's always going to be, to an extent, male, you know? Like, while this body body will, at best, you know, for the rest of my life, be somewhere in the middle, you know, of quote-unquote biological sexes, you know? To borrow a stupid-ass unscientific term, you know? Like, it's going to be too feminine to be male, but you know, not masculine, but too masculine to be female, you know? Always going to be kind of here in the middle. Always going to have dysphoria. And, you know, someday when everything is restored, you know, I am going to finally have a body that's free of dysphoria. Not going to have to live with it anymore. You know? And that brings me joy, you know, like... I can't even imagine like I, I, I wh- wh- like what is life if i you know never not having that threat of dysphoria over your head like you know when I tra- even when i transition, transitioning you know I don't feel dysphoria you know like 99% of the time like the threat is always there you know it's always something that's kind of looming over your head you know And like I I can't even imagine, like, what is it like to not add that trans identity, to not kinda be one of the other? Like I I can't even imagine. Like in heaven, that's gonna be a reality. I can't even imagine. Like that's gonna be so glorious. You know? And that's just another thing that, you know, really Helps me keep my eyes on God, you know. Oh, sorry. I, I I literally just started talking to myself there, forgetting that he was in a po- recording a podcast. Oh my gosh! Come on, Anna. Like like I literally actually straight up like. Last minute or so, I actually straight up forgot I was recording the podcast. It's like, I was just kind of almost like, just like talking out loud to myself, but loud enough for you all to hear. And then I just immediately started just dove down, you know, like into like, just like whispering, like I kind of do when I'm talking to myself. Cause like, I actually just for like the last minute or so forgot that I was actually recording a podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um... So yeah, you know, I feel like that's a good a good reason, a good good time to end this segment. Um Honestly, like there's so many things I would love to talk about, you know? Um like for instance, you know. Like I'm probably not gonna really dive into these unless I really, really, really feel like um feel like and I start mentioning these things, like, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna talk about it, you know, like I found out that there are people who actually believe that Paul was married. Yeah, the, 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 the Apostle Paul in the Bible. Uh, apparently people there are some people who genuinely, vehemently believe, you know, argue that uh, Paul was married. I don't know where the fuck someone gets that idea from. Uh <laughs> I read, like, I, I heard about it on Twitter from a few people, and then I looked up a few articles, you know, and I found, like, the first one I could find at Orgidahead, and, like, it was such, just so crackpot and nutjob-ish. Like, I just, I couldn't even make it all the way through the end. Like, it was so bad. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it's the thought of someone, you know, someone so prominent in the Bible not being married, like, really that horrendous to you. Like, here's the point. You know, fuck it. We're, good. we're going to go down this road, okay? We're we're going to go straight down this road. I am totally getting in trouble for this. I want to make this clear. I am so good at, like like, so, I'm going to offend someone, you know, and I'm okay with that. We worship, I'm talking strictly about the American church here. I don't know what the fuck, you know, it's like in Canadian churches, you know, Indian churches, British churches, you know. I'm just thinking of, like, uh, the different countries that I've seen that listen to my podcast. Irish churches, Malaysian churches. I have no idea what the fuck is going on over there. So I want to make this clear. This may be... This might totally be strictly an American phenomenon. But if your church system struggles with this as well, then guess what? We, you get to be included. But I have no idea. It looks like I, I, I recognize what I'm talking about may only apply to the American church. But here, at least... We have a serious problem with idolizing marriage. Like, what the fuck? Like, people, marriage is not the highest calling one can receive. No, you do not need to be married to be a good Christian. What the fuck? I mean, Albert Moeller, the head of the SBC and the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest, um, is it just the largest Protestant denomination, or is it the largest... Um, Christian denomination period in America. I don't even remember. But, you know, one of those two. I think it might be the largest denomination period. I think it's bigger than Roman. I mean, there must be, you know, Summer Baptist and Catholic, Roman Catholics. But I could be wrong on that. So, so sorry if I am. But, way, anyway, you know, huge chunk of Christian Americans. Okay, huge chunk, you know, about like 2010, I believe, the, you know, this was the head of the SBC literally said that you had to be, you know, to be a Christian to get married. You know, it was, thankfully for him, you know, he was very smart enough to, you know, scrub that blog article, you know, after, you know, after intense backlash. But, you know, I remember years ago being able to find it, like maybe, you know, maybe they just did it, maybe they didn't scrub it and I just suck at finding it now, but like. I remember, like, 2014, reading that article, and it's just like, holy fuck, that's fucked up, (laughs) you know, and, uh, guess it is, no, you don't need to be a Christian, I mean, you don't have to be married to be a Christian, like, how the fuck do we, you know, sit here and pretend that, you know, like, marriage is so much higher than singleness, it's so important to Christian, no, marriage is not, I'm sorry, fuck that, like, Marriage is not that important. I hate to break it to you. It's a nice, viable option that many of most will take part of. It's not that important. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. There's nothing special about marriage. <laughs> I hate like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you know? I recognize I definitely just offended someone, probably a bunch of you. It's not that special. I'm sorry. You know, it's like... Oh, gosh. You know, I, I, I'm I really deep into it. Fuck it. I, I, I'm going to drop this truth bomb. I'm going to have to say this. What is up with all the Christians who are sitting here? I think it's 1 Corinthians 14. You know, that the passage, you know, in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking about marriage and singleness. What the fuck is up with Christians who are sitting here pretending that this is, you know, some great pro-marriage passage and, you know basically denigrating single Like, what the fuck? Like, how do you read that and be like, yeah, Paul is a really huge fan of marriage. I'm sorry, the mental gymnastics, you have to go through to think that. It's ridiculous. No, I'm sorry. It's, Paul meant what he said. You know, he wishes that, you know, everyone was single like him. Doesn't mean that, you know, like... We forget that these are human authors, people. Paul is a human. is a human being. It's not like God is sitting up there trans telling Paul exactly what's right. No, these are Paul's writings. These are Paul's thoughts. I'm sorry, I. Paul almost certainly, actually believed that, and so he put that. Not saying that's what God thinks. For all we know, you know, like. I don't think that God wishes that everyone was single, you know, considering that right most Christians aren't single, you know, just saying, you know. But, like, Paul absolutely blamed it, and so he wrote that down. So, I'm sorry, no, this is not an attack on you. Stop trying to sit here, twist his words, you know, like, oh, Paul is some great advocate for the mayor. No, he wasn't. I'm sorry. Doesn't mean that God isn't, but Paul wasn't and he was the human author of his book just said that like I, I am so fucking sick and tired of watching you know all these marriage worshipers sit here and try to twist these words you know and how Paul was really saying that marriage is better you know and was some great advocate for marriage like no he was pretty fucking clear stop stop twisting the words to make yourself feel better because you, cause you were so insecure on your marital status you know you know, that you're so insecure in your marriage that you got to feel like that every single biblical figure was, you know, totally on board marriage in every way, you know, to the point that you even pretend that Paul was married, you know. And also, you know, there's all these motherfuckers out there, you know, who are like, oh, you know, to be a pastor, you've got to be married. Where? Where, where is it in the Bible? Oh, you, you, you take that, you know, First Timothy um, passage out of context. You know, it wasn't saying that you had to be married to be pastor you know otherwise you know what Paul would have been doing he would have been sending Timothy his own resignation letter because Timothy wasn't married and Timothy was the pastor of wherever was that city he was at at the moment I don't even remember but Timothy was pastoring those people at the moment he was their pastor you mean to tell me that Paul was sitting there sending Timothy his own resignation letter are you kidding me so ridiculous! Like we got to stop putting marriage on this pedestal, you know. Like, look, I recognize, you know, for the what, first about fifteen hundred years or so, they put singleness, and let's be honest, Roman Catholic Church still put singleness on way too high of a pedestal. Not going to deny that, you know. Uh, you know, like where you ha- like to be a priest, you know, you got to be single. Yes, you know, it. that's completely unbiblical. I don't know how, I wonder if you come up with that, even remotely, you know. Clearly, in 1 Timothy, you know, it talks about, you know, pastors being married, you know, just saying. But guess what, that's not the problem we really, you know, and part of it, you know. And I'm going to be honest, you know, we are seeing the destructive nature of that right now. You know, with the Catholic, you know, with all the sex scandals going on in the Roman Catholic Church, you know. That is what happens when you take, you know, singleness, you know, try to enforce singleness on everyone. But right now, what we are mostly seeing is churches trying to enforce marriage on everybody, making you feel bad for not being married. You know, like, I know of denominations where they literally force people to be married by a certain age. Like, back when I worked at Lifeway Christian Bookstore, there was someone who went to some denomination. I don't even remember what fucking denomination was. Like, I think they had to be married by age 20. Like, They basically did fucking arranged marriages. Like, I'm not even joking on that. This fucking, like... And this was, like, what? 2018? 2019? America? Like, what the fuck? That's fucked up. And it's unbiblical. Like, I'm sorry. You know? Like... Basically, what our churches act like is that, you know, singleness is a... Nice is an alternative. If you... Absolutely couldn't get married, you know, like we cater strictly almost strictly to married people, you know, and then, you know, and then if the church even does attempt to, you know, do anything for singles, they may do the singles ministry, which basically just acts as a Christian mingle in real life. Okay, it's strictly basically a dating pool. That's all it is. They don't get, you know, and then they do like marital counseling. Oh, but if you're single, well, you don't get counseling here at the church. Fucking bullshit, you know, and they, of course they try to make all the singles, they, you know, all the tolerance, the nursery, you know, and all that. like, it's so fucking bullshit, you know, like, it's creating harm with people, you know, it's harming people, <sighs> it's, it, it's so fucking bullshit, people. Yes, it took singleness way too fucking far for the first 1,500 years. But now you're take, Now we've gone swung the other way, which is we worship marriage way too much. And that's destructive as well. And I don't think we've even begun to see the repercussions of that yet. Some way we're going to. This is not sustainable. This is not okay. We've got to take marriage off the pedestal it's on. And in the Roman Catholic Church, they got to take the singleness off the pedestal it's on. Both are fucking unbiblical. Stop it. Holy fuck, people. Like, look, I get it. You love being married. Guess what? Not everyone is called to that. And that's perfectly fine for not less than you. It's just different. You know, and one of the most fucked up things that I did, you know, was like, you know, like a lot of it hinges on the metaphor, you know, Christ being the groom, you know, the church being the bride, like, I'm not going to get into it right now, especially because I couldn't explain it very well. But that is not, like, it, it's not quite saying what you think it means. Like, I hate to break it to you. Like, once again, I couldn't really explain it at the moment. Maybe sometime. To be honest, probably not here. Probably be more on my blog post or on my Sunday YouTube video. But maybe I do on my podcast. But sometime when I can under explain that better, I'll explain that better. But anyway, you know, it, it, it's bullshit. I'm sorry. We we got to take marriage off the pedestal. It's on marriage really is not that important. It's not. I'm sorry. You know, anyway, I, 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 I'm done getting myself in trouble right now. Um, I I feel like I've angered enough people right now, you know. Um, I'd be stunned if there was a single person still listening at this point. But, hey, if you're that one person still listening, you know. um, We're going to take a quick little break here. Be back um, in about a minute or two. And come back with our third and final segment of this show. All right, everybody. So we are back for the third and final segment of the show. And since this is kind of the more chillax entertainment um, segment, um, first I kind of want to start off with some actually some kind of positive entertainment news. Well, possibly. Um, positive. Possibly. And that is at Vet Pixar. They are looking. Uh, they are going to have a trans girl. ...in the next um, Pixar film. So yes, um, we're actually going to see trans representation in a Disney Pixar film. I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of stunned by that. I am actually very surprised that Disney would allow such a thing um, at all. But if I'm description and forgiving, I think I kind of can can see why they're allowing this. And I'm not going to lie i 'm actually kind of concerned, um, but it, it, once again, I could be completely wrong. This could be completely positive and wonderful. Just having a trans character represented even remotely positively is a huge step forward for a presentation, so I want to get clear, not bitching about that at all. I think that 's really awesome, so basically if they're doing like casting calls for a for a twelve to seventeen year old actress to um, quote-unquote authentically portray a 14-year-old transgender girl. And it seems like what we're looking more for is for, like, 12- to 17-year-old trans girl actresses, you know. Um, but yeah, here's the thing, I'm not going to lie, kind of has me a bit worried, is here's how the character, whose name is Jess, is described as compassionate, funny, and always has your back. I don't know if all about you, but all I can think about when um, reading that description is the gay friend thing that's been going on in movies for decades now. You know, in all those movies when uh, you know whenever they have a gay character, for almost always, you know, the main character's good friend, if not her best friend. And you know, for super loyal, you know, super lovable, you know, but for never more anything more than a friend if you don't ever do anything gay, you know, for just, you know, that really supportive, awesome friend. I'm getting kind of those vibes. <laughs> Just in this description, I am getting those vibes. Like I am genuinely, actually, kind of scared that this is going to be the start of a trans friend the trend. You know, the trans friend trend. Try try to say that five times fast. Uh, in movies, you know. Still, you know, I make it clear. You know, having a trans. Um, person being shown in a Disney Pixar film is amazing for trans representation, especially when our humanity is up for debate right now. And I, but I am kind of scared that this is just the trans version of the gay friend thing, and maybe the only reason why Disney allowed this. So, not gonna lie, kind of scared about that. But you know, I am interested in see how this goes. That said, "I don't care how it's presented." I, there's like a ninety nine ninety nine point nine percent chance I won't see this movie. Like I'm just being honest. I don't like Pixar movies. There is almost no chance I see this movie, even if a even if they portray uh, the trans girl really well. Like I just don't care. So, but you know, I, I hope they do it well. I just you know, but I I probably won't ever know because I just <laughs> not gonna. I, I there's almost no way I see that movie. Anywho, so yeah, um, that's really about uh, all the entertainment news I could think of that I really saw of it worth really mentioning. Um, but yeah, you know, lately I've been watching through, um, Little Women all day, different Little Women movies, you know? Uh, let's see, you know, I'm also rereading the book, because when I was a kid, I remember mom reading that to us, because my mama loved to read to us kids growing up. And I remember her reading a little, sorry, I yeah, don't know, like, huh, like a quick, like a hiccup or something, um, you know, reading Little Women to us, so like, but that was like so many years ago, I don't remember much, didn't remember much of the book, and now that I am rereading, it's like, oh yeah, I remember this, I remember that, oh yeah, 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 you know, and so I, so I've been enjoying it, you know, I've been enjoying rereading the book, you know, and watching all the movies, you know, um, Sunday, last Sunday, Not the one that just passed, you know, um, you know, not yesterday from when you're listening to this, probably. Um, But, you know, I watched a 1933 Little Women of Catherine Hepburn. Um, And then on Wednesday, I watched a 1949 one of June Allison. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, 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 the night, 1933 was pretty darn good. You know, I actually pretty enjoyed it, you know. Definitely had problems with it. And, you know, his age definitely showed. But it was a good movie, you know. I really loved Katherine Hepburn as Joe. Really loved her as Joe. Um, 1949 was not good. Definitely not good. It felt like a paycheck movie. You, you know what I'm talking about, you know. Um, movies, you know, where it was clear kind of clear that the actors only took it for the paycheck you know for hearts really weren't into it cuz like this movie had a very big star-studded cast like this like these were some like this was basically like the Avengers of 1949 like some like a bunch of the biggest stars in Hollywood all converged in like this one film at the time and my god you would never guess that they are the biggest stars in Hollywood by their acting performances in this film. Like, no one gave a fuck. I'm just being honest. Like, there was no point in that movie outside of whoever played Aunt March and played, um, oh God, Grandpa Lori, you know, Mr. Lawrence. Um, yeah, Mr. Lawrence. Um, hey, you know, those are the only actors who seem to, to give a fuck about what they're doing. Everybody else was just so clearly phoning it in. There was no passion, no emotion in anything. Um, that, that, that the, uh, Oh gosh, the John Brooks proposal to uh, Meg. It was so bad. It was so pathetic. I'm just saying, you know, just an advice to anyone out there. If the person proposing to you has as little emotion as the guy who played Tron Brook had when um, proposing to Meg in 1949's Little Women. Don't marry them. For the love of God, don't marry them. (laughs) I have never seen less emotion in a movie wedding proposal, marriage proposal, ever. I swear for the love of God, Keanu Reeves could have put more emotion in. It, it was so bad. Like I put it, just to be like one tier above. Um, you know that scene in Attack of the Clones when um, Hayden Christ- Christensen as Anakin is going. I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough. It gets all up in. Yeah, I don't even remember. I and I don't care. Anyway, so you know. um yeah, no motion. It was bad. Oh. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. So bad. You uh, know, and of course, they kept a lot of the timeline weirdness that the 1933 one had, you know. They had, they met Lori, you know, on the first Christmas for some odd reason, you know, instead of at the ball. They didn't even have Meg's ball. They didn't have Amy falling through the ice, you know, just a bunch of weird stuff. Like, not that great. <laughs> it, it, it's not worth watching, people um don't just don't watch the 1949 little women okay keep with the 1933 20, 1994 and 2019 versions okay if, 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 if those are actually good i would watch any of those um versions of little women in a heartbeat for absolutely fantastic 1949 no just just, just stay away that movie needs to remain in the dustbin of history quite Definitely not good, not, not, not good at all. So yeah, and I if I watch that, um, let's see. I watched the last two Kung Fu Panda movies, uh, which were pretty damn good. Um, I actually genuinely forgot how good, cause last time I watched Kung Fu Panda, you know, the movies, I watched them once and it was in 2016 after the third movie came out, you know, I watched like all three Kung Fu Pandas like back to back, you know, not in one day, but you know, like three days or something like that, you know, and I totally forgot how good those movies were. Like, I remember enjoying them at the time, but like, I forgot just how damn good they are, you know? I would say the second and third Kung Fu Panda movies are among my favorite animated movies ever. Especially the third. I think Kung Fu Panda 3 is a literal masterpiece. Like, I think that it is one of the greatest animated films ever made. I would say maybe just underneath, the, you know, How to Train Your Dragon 1, How to Train Your Dragon 3, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, um... I would have to watch the movie again. I've only ever seen it once, but I remember really thinking highly of it when I saw it, which was WALL-E. Um, yeah, I mean, I really can't think of any... Tre- maybe Treasure Planet. I might put Treasure Planet above it, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Like In terms of animated films, I would put above Kung Fu Panda 3. Like, absolutely fantastic. Um, Just... Cannot recommend it highly enough. A brilliant end to the trilogy. Like, it's perfect. Like, I hope to God they never make Kung Fu Panda 4. Because, like, they ended it too perfectly. Like, it was such a perfect ending. For the love of God, please never make sh- um, Kung Fu Panda 4. You know? Um, <laughs> definitely, you know, it's funny, which I'm kind of worried about them doing. Seeing that doing Puss in Boots 2 and Shrek 5. So it's just like... Please, no. Just, no. Like, Shrek 4 ended well enough, you know? Like, I don't think Shrek 4 was great by any means, but it was a very good ending. I enjoyed the ending. I thought it ended it all in a good place. Uh, kind of worried about what I like. I'm not gonna lie. I'm uh, not, not, not super excited for Shrek 5. Don't get me wrong, I'm gonna see it when it comes out, you know? I liked all four movies, but ugh. See like, where, where do you go with the story after Shrek 4? I thought it ended in a very good place. But yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely worried and so I hope to God, you know, saying never going back to Shrek, I hope to God of a don't ever go back to Kung Fu Panda. <sighs> and it, it, the even worse crime would be if I would ever go back to How to Train Your Dragon. Like, please, for the love of God, never do that. But, you know, if you want to make a sequel for something, you know, my God, like, Make a Megamind sequel. Make a Rise of the Guardians sequel. Especially Rise of the Guardians. Why the hell has there never been a Rise of the Guardians sequel? Like, someone, make, make this make sense. That movie was, like, primed for a sequel. Like, one of DreamWorks' best movies. Like, that is a movie it deserves a sequel. Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Vote that deserves a sequel. Like, Mr. Peabody and Sherman is one of the greatest animated films ever. That one totally needs a sequel. I'm sorry. You know, um, trying to think, trying to think of other ones i like to see off the top of my head. Eh, I can't really think of anything else. Um, any other franchise, because Boss Baby's getting a sequel. I don't want Home to ever get a sequel. I didn't think Home was all that great to begin with. Definitely didn't deserve a sequel. Um, I don't think Rhoda El Dorado really needed a sequel. Um, I don't think that one did. Um, and Stephen didn't. Um, just trying to think of any of the good DreamWorks films. And yeah, those are the only ones I could think of that were actually really good. Uh, yeah, I don't think really any of them needed a sequel. Like The only ones that really need a sequel left are Megamind and um, Rise of the Guardians. Like, Get on it, DreamWorks. The love of God, what, what are you doing? Uh, but yeah, you know, those are what I like to see. You know, just for the love of God, don't do Kung Fu Panda 4 and don't ever do how to tra- And it, if you ever do how to train your dragon 4, I am boy, DreamWorks. dream works I am not watching dream works if I ever do. Um, how to train your dragon 4. Um, how to train your dragon 3 was absolutely perfect, you know, they like, just perfect ending, you know. Um, and I would love it if they were just to straight up cancel Shrek 5. Like, Shrek 5 is going to need to be just downright genuinely special for me to forgive him for going back to the Shrek well. Like, just Shrek just needs to stay in the past. <laughs> okay, especially, like, the biggest crime they did with Shrek was, like, how much of the humor is pop culture humor? And it's just, like, pop culture humor is all fine and good until people forget about that pop culture reference like until you 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 go move on to the next generation like i had to look up a lot of the jokes (laughs) that they made like you know and this was the problem at any time when they really rely heavily on pop culture humor like i'm just saying if you like baby's born this year 2021 you know, say, you know, they, they, they watch Shrek when we're like fucking 15 years old, you know, old enough to understand things, you know, we're not going to understand a lot of the humor of Shrek. Like, and just saying you know, the first Shrek film, you know, that, you know, the stop motion scene, not the stop motion, the bullet time scene in, in the first Shrek, you know. Nobody is going to understand. Nobody born in 2021 is going to understand that reference. No one's going to know if that was the fucking Matrix, you know, for making fun of the Matrix, you know, or riffing off of the Matrix there. Like, not going to understand that. And I was just going to be like, okay, that's kind of weird. You know, okay. Hmm. Interesting. You know, like, that's the problem with the Shrek films, really, I think. <sighs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and just kind of going on about stuff. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, anything else I wanted to kind of go over? Um, Can't think of anything else. I am watching a man. Say anything? I don't know. I mean, maybe I could. I don't really feel like it. Like, ugh, I don't care enough about. Like, I was going to talk about play V. Uh, like, for a half second there, thought about maybe talking about that report about PlayStation. Um, and you know, over focus on like on a big A block bu- big triple A blockbusters, you know, because like that was definitely something that's just like I don't see being good for gaming, but like. I don't care about PlayStation enough. I'm not a PlayStation gamer, so you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. All hail Xbox. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, I think we're just going to dive right into our good news story. Um, so, so, yeah. All right, so this one is from Good News Network, like usual. Scientists create world's first tri- truly biodegradable cell- single-use plastic that quote-unquote eats itself in just two weeks. Despite our efforts to sort and s- recycle, less than 9% of plastic is recycled in the U.S., and most ends up in a landfill or the environment. Biodegradable plastic bags and containers could help, but if we a- not properly sorted, they can contaminate otherwise recyclable, number one, and number two, plastics. What's worse, the most biodegradable plastics takes months to break down, and when they finally do, they form microplastics, tiny bits of plastic that can end up in oceans and animals' bodies, including our own. Now, scientists at the Berkeley Lab and UC Berkeley have designed an enzyme-activated compostable plastic that could diminish microplastics' pollution and holds great promise for plastics' upcycling. The material can be broken down to its building blocks, um, small individual molecules called monomers, monomers, as I'm going with, um, and then reformed into a new compostable plastic product. In the wild, enzymes are what nature uses to break things down. And even when we die, enzymes cause our bodies to decompose naturally. So for this study, we asked ourselves, how can enzymes biodegradable plastic so it's part of nature? Said senior author Ting Zhu, who holds titles of faculty senior scientist in Berkeley's lab, Berkeley Labs Materials Science Division. And Professor of chemistry, okay, whatever fuck. It goes on forever. Seriously, like, why, why do articles do this, you know? Like, they got a list. Every damn title for somebody holds. doesn't matter how damn long it goes. It can be several sentences long. Like this one. And they just put it in there. Like, nobody cares. Just, just get on the fucking story. I don't want to read every... I don't care about every damn title that this person has. Keep it short and sweet. Holy fuck. Um. Anywho... Most biodegradable plastics in use today are usually made of polylactic acid, PLA, a vegetable-based plastic material blended with cornstarch. There's also poly—I have no idea how to pronounce this—PCL. Um, A biodegradable polyester that is widely used for biomedical applications such as tissue engineering, but the the problem with conventional biodegradable plastic is ever indistinguishable from single-use plastic such as plastic film, so a good chunk of these materials end up in landfills. And even if a biodegradable plastic container gets deposited at an organic waste facility, it can't break down as fast as the lunch salad it once contained. So it ends up contaminating organic waste, said co-author Corinne Scown at the Berkeley Labs Energy Technologies area. And problem with biodegradable plastics is that they aren't as strong as regular plastic. That's why you can't carry heavy items in a standard green compost bag. The trade-off is that biodegradable plastics can break down over time, but still, Zhu said, they only break down into microplastics, which are still plastic, just a lot smaller. So Zhu and her team decided to take a different approach by nanoconfining enzymes into plastics. In a series of experiments reported in the journal Nature Zoo and co-authors embedded trace amounts of commercial enzymes, Berkoldera, I have no idea how to pronounce any of this shit, but anyway, its acronym is bc lipass and Proteinase K, with the... Uh, PLA and PCL plastic materials. The scientists also added an enzyme protectant called 4 monomer random heteropolymer, or RHP, to help disperse the enzymes a few nanometers apart. In a stunning result, the scientists discovered that ordinary household tap water, or standard soil compost, converted the enzyme-embedded Plastic material into its small molecule building blocks called monomers, and eliminated microplastics in just a few weeks. Vassal learned that BC lipase is something of a finicky eater, quote-unquote. Uh, Before a lipase can convert a polymer chain into monomers, it must first catch the end of a polymer chain. By controlling when the lipase finds the chain end, it is possible to ensure the materials don't degrade until being triggered by hot water or compost soil, Zhu explained. In addition, they found that this strategy only works when BC lipase is nano dispersed, in this case just .02% by weight in the PCL block rather than randomly tossed in and blended Nanodispersion puts each enzyme molecule into work, nothing goes away, Sue said. And that matters when factoring in costs. Industrial enzymes can cost around ten dollars per kilogram, but this yes, new approach would only add a few cents to the production cost of a kilogram of resin because the amount of enzymes required is so low, and the material has a shelf life of more than seven months, Gown added. Developing a very affordable and easily compostable plastic film could incentivize product produce manufacturers to package fresh fruits and vegetables with compostable plastic instead of single use plastic wrap. And as a result, save organic waste facilities the extra expense of investing in expensive plastic depackaging machines when they want to accept food waste for anaerobic digestion or composting. Since our approach could potentially work well with we both hard, rigid plastics and soft, flexible plastics, we see it would to broaden her study to polyolefins. Polyolefins? I have no idea, but that's not. A ubiquitous family of plastics commonly used to manufacture toys and electronic parts. The team's truly compostable plastic could be on shelves soon. They recently filed a patent application for UC Berkeley's patent office. When it comes to solving the plastics problem, it's our environmental responsibility to take up nature on its path by prescribing a a molecular map with the science behind the wheel. Our study is a good start, Sue said. That's exciting news indeed. Anywho, so yeah, that's going to be everything for this episode. If you listen on the podcast before, please leave a review, share this episode. Uh, You know, if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, share, subscribe, you know. Uh, you know, if you have a comment or question, uh, send me an email. You can find my email in the description. You know, you can also support this cons my content, you know, get podcast episodes early, videos early, um, your name read on the podcast or videos and other things, um, by supporting, um, my content on Patreon, but you can also just do regular donations or cash out Venmo and PayPal, and, see, and also be sure to send me a voice message that can get played here on the podcast. You can find the link to that in the description. Anyway, um, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Peace.